SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour three, it's happy hour here on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Here in the final hour of our show, we're going to give you our Major League Baseball picks for later today. In addition to best bets of the day, Joe Pisapia from here on Sports Grid going to join us and give you some futures bets in the NFL, especially when it comes to the player props. Joe is really big into fantasy sports, and he really helps to parlay it into the props market in the NFL. And lastly, Cam Rogers is going to join the show, our PGA analyst, but he's going to break down how to bet on the Olympics and golf. Because the Golf Olympics is on. It started yesterday, and there's live odds that you could get on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We'll make sure to point those out to you. First, it's our West Coast wake-up. We're going to talk Dodgers, Giants. Last night, the Dodgers were slight favorites on the road. They were minus 120, and it was plus 106 for the Giants at home, so slight home dogs at plus 106 for San Francisco. San Francisco gets the win, 2-1 to one straight up over those Dodgers. The Giants have now won four of their last five against L.A. They ended up taking three out of four in L.A. against the Dodgers uh, right after the All-Star break. I think it was two, three series ago. For this Giants team, they just keep winning, and they're three games ahead of the National League West currently. Ben, how surprised as a West Coast guy, as a California guy, are you about these Giants? As a Dodgers fan for my entire life, as a guy who grew up hating the San Francisco Giants, I'm still super impressed by what SF is doing throughout all of this Major League Baseball season. Not just in the NL West or the National League, the best record in all of baseball. And these games between the Dodgers and the Giants, one of the best rivalries in all of baseball, have been absolutely electric. The four-game set back at Dodger Stadium and this first one of the series up in the Bay Area in San Francisco last night have all been decided by one run and often in late fashion. All four in L.A. were decided in the ninth inning. Last night in the bottom of the eighth due to a very costly throwing error out of Cody Bellinger, who was playing first base but has also played in the outfield for the Dodgers in his young career. So you would expect his arm to be a little bit better than a natural first baseman. But all that being said, still, the Giants winning by one run. They have won four of the last five against the Dodgers and have a three-game commanding lead in the NL West, which Ariel, I think, really goes to speak of where the Giants are right now and where you might be able to find some value on them in the futures market. Cannot believe also that the Giants' win total was around a 75 at the beginning of the season, so for the preseason, and the Giants are currently sitting at 63 wins. We are just starting the second half of the year, and the Giants could potentially go over their win total within the next month. That's nuts. Anyway, the outfielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Cody Bellinger, spoke out after the game regarding how tough these divisional rivalries really are. Yeah, it hurts, man. Um, it definitely hurts. Um, you know, these in-division games, you know, mean a lot. So, um, but the beauty of it, we get to come back tomorrow and, you know, hopefully and uh, try to take a game uh, at their home place tomorrow. Yeah, they're going to try to take a game at their home place tomorrow. Now, I looked at these odds yesterday and I saw that the Giants, while this game between the Giants and Dodgers was going on, 
The Giants were at plus one, 126, and it did move to Giants plus 114 currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook. A lot of movement in favor of those Giants after last night's win. Welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience, third final hour here on the morning after. Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Ben, after seeing all that line movement in favor of the Giants, going from plus 126 to plus 114 overnight, the Dodgers now sitting at uh, minus 134. So they're still favored. However, the Giants getting a lot of the movement. And that's a public team in the Dodgers with a very public pitcher in Walker Bueller, which is why I think the Dodgers are still the favorite. I agree with the line movement. I don't know how the Giants continue to be booked at plus money. You could look at this game, or you could look at the National League West divisional odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Giants have a three-game lead in this division right now over the L.A. Dodgers. We only have about 60 games left in this Major League Baseball season. 60 games seems like a lot, but we're well over the halfway point of the season, and the Giants have a three-game lead. The Dodgers still the odds-on favorite at minus 175. The Giants have seen a little bit more movement in their favor as well, now at plus 200. I can't believe there is still this much plus money on the team that has a three-game lead with 60 games left in this Major League Baseball season. That truly blows my mind. When you look at this season series overall, though, it is split right now. The Dodgers have seven wins. The Giants have seven wins against each other. So that could factor in to some of that plus money because of the tiebreaker at this current moment, despite the fact that San Francisco has been so good against the Dodgers here in the last two weeks or so. Also, if you want more plus money on the Giants, plus 500 right now to win the National League pennant. Listen, this is sustainable. We are 100 games into this Major League Baseball season for the Giants. They are 63-37 and 37 with the best record in all of baseball. Plus 500 right now to win the NL pennant. They can certainly do that. Plus money in the NL West. That's where I would go first with a three-game lead. But plus 500 to win the NL pennant. I still think you're getting great plus money on the San Francisco Giants right now, Ariel. The Giants, three games ahead of the Dodgers. The Dodgers... With them three games back, the Padres five and a half games back. The Padres still up there with the Dodgers for the two wild card spots. The next best team is six games back, and that's the Cincinnati Reds in the National League wild card race. We could see all three of these teams making it. It just shows you how much better the National League West is from the rest of the divisions. The National League Central, the Brewers have 59 wins, and the Mets have 53 wins. You've got 63, 61, and 59 wins rounding out that top three in the National League West. Nuts. Coming up next, Joe Pizzapia from here on Sports Grid talking NFL future props. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back here on the morning after, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, Sports Grid Zone, Joe Pizza Pia. Sometimes you can think of his name as Pizza Pizza, and that's because he's also a pizza expert in addition to fantasy and gambling. Joe, thank you for joining us today. That's right. I'm a renaissance man. I've got a lot of different uh, skill sets. That's what I try to do. I try to try to open myself up to the world, to the universe, for the betterment 
of all the people who listen and watch all of these shows. But yes, it's nice to see you here for a change. I said at the break, you know, usually it's just me and Ben here picking up the pieces. Ariel's off having fun, going to baseball game, going to bachelorette parties, doing all these fun things. And Ben and I are just stuck here all summer working together. But I- I'm glad to see your face again. And of course, Ben, it's always great to see you as well, my friend. You know, maybe you could just inform me and catch me up on all I've missed because it just seems as if I don't work anymore. And that means that Joe should just take over permanently. So, Joe, take the floor. NFL training camp. What are you looking at? See, and I said all those nice things so far about, like, you deserve time off. You work so hard. No, no, no. Well, look, in training camp, obviously, a lot of big stories going on. The Aaron Rodgers return, not surprising at all. I mean... Ugh, I want to roll my eyes about that one. It's just, just been, I mean, it's such a ridiculous, unnecessary soap opera that I think if you knew anything about football really deep down, you had to know there was no way he was going to play for Vic Fangio to finish out his illustrious career. That was never happening. It was a pipe dream. It was a bunch of nonsense. And I'm not surprised. I'm just kind of surprised that Randall Cobb is the missing piece that he's been longing for. Uh, certainly some early COVID tests or things to keep an eye on. I think that's going to have an interesting effect on the season, too. Which coaches, which organizations are going to be really tough on certain players to kind of fall in line and how that might affect some players' value going into the season. Deshaun Watson being in camp, I think, is also surprising and interesting. But so far, uh, obviously, the biggest thing has been the Cam Akers injury and the Michael Thomas surgery, those news. And that makes, uh, I think, a huge impact on the Saints offense overall probably their win totals probably everything when it comes to the saints and then the downgrade which is slight but still a downgrade in terms of depth because now you're only down to daryl henderson in terms of just cam Akers being there as the lead back now it's just daryl henderson is the lead back and that's a little bit tougher i think keep an eye on who they add i think they will add somebody to that roster it won't just be the young guys that they have there in the depth chart so those are kind of the early things going on that you kind of want to watch and see the adjustments that these teams make here because both the Saints and the Rams, I think, will add some pieces. So, Joe, you are a huge fantasy football guy. And right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook, there is a ton of player props out there. As you look ahead to a new NFL season, how much do you correlate those two things, fantasy and individual player props? Well, I think they go hand in hand, Ben, honestly. I think you know the more you have a handle on good projection systems, the more you have a handle on the history and track record of these players, actually, I do think it greatly filters into that preseason prop market that you have. Uh, and what I always like to do is I like to go through what I think these guys are capable of doing before I even look at those numbers. And I did that today with some of the quarterbacks I know that you guys want to talk about. And then I went over to FanDuel Sportsbook and started looking at those and was kind of surprised, actually, with a few, which is good because I think that's the best way to do it is to have the numbers in your mind, then go see them. And if you see something that's a big, drastic difference, that's where you start to put your money because obviously you had a confidence level in that for a reason. You've built in the equity to that thought process. And then what you want to do is cash in on that equity on the gambling side of things. Joe, when it comes to the Rams, as you were mentioning, you could see things being affected with the loss of Cam Akers in the backfield. Matt Stafford's a quarterback that I caught that caught my eye in the futures market. When it comes to the passing yards, Stafford's been a great fantasy quarterback except for of course last year or two years ago when he was hurt however when Stafford is on the field fantasy wise he's great how much could you see him improving going over to the Rams statistically well statistically speaking I definitely think you're in a position where it feels like 
basically the kid got out of jail, right? I mean, you know, it's like he is out <laughs> off a timeout. He's allowed to go play with his friends again. He's had a really tough, long road career in Detroit. And now he's getting a chance to play with a great offensive-minded coach. And when you do lose Cam Akers, you know, people will say, well, all of a sudden, well, doesn't that – you know, all of a sudden maybe bump up Stafford's passing numbers. And I don't know how much it does. I think McVay's still going to look for balance in that offense. It's just going to be a different kind of balance. And when you also take away Cam Akers, who was capable of catching the football, you proved that last year. That's also something that misses where, you know, you're not getting that yards after catch from Cam Akers on some dump off passes that will pad those stats for Stafford. So I would be careful about approaching that as a, oh, it's an automatic over. Let's rush and overreact to that because I think balance is going to be the key for that team. It's still a very good defensive team as well. So I don't know how much you're going to have to push the ball downfield in a lot of those games. So don't, I think, overreact to the Cam Akers injuries all of a sudden looking at Stafford as that guy that you just want to, oh, just run to the over necessarily. I think that number actually that they've set there on FanDuel pretty good for Stafford that I was looking at and to me I think that's not nearly as good as say looking at the under for a guy like Zach Wilson who I think people are putting way too much into this kid too early and also in my opinion was the fourth best quarterback in this class so I think there's a lot of negatives there and I don't think that Jets offense is going to be nearly as exciting as uh, some other folks really think with that number which I think is around 3,800 I think and that to me is is a definite under. 38, 50 and a half. It was Ariel's favorite under when you looked at those passing props for the 2021 NFL season. So, Joe, like you mentioned, we both gave an over we liked for the passing props. We both gave an under. Outside of Zach Wilson, which number stood out to you? Uh, well, looking at Josh Allen, you know, at the 4,500, uh, right on that mark, right, 44, 99 and a half. Um, I actually like the over in Josh Allen uh, quite a bit. And the reason is, I don't see much of a change in this offense. I don't think the balance is really going to come, and all of a sudden Zach Moss and Devin Singletary are going to be huge cogs in this offense more than they were last year. What they were able to do worked, and I think Josh Allen might even have another step forward with him as a passer, and I think he's going to continue to rely on some of the pieces he's got, including uh, Gabriel Davis, who had a really nice breakout last year where you kind of saw in big spots he kind of favored Gabriel Davis. Uh, for me, with Kirk Cousins, actually, that would be an over on that 4,050.5 for me uh, on Kirk Cousins. And the reason being is, is, once again, you've got a running back in Dalvin Cook that can help pad those stats. If you look at what Cousins has done, it's somewhere around 4,200 the last couple years. And I know they're a run-first kind of team, but at the same time, let's not – be so negative about Kirk Cousins because if you look at the last couple years in Kirk Cousins, September's have been awful. After September, he has gone on magnificent runs, runs where he was statistically as good as Russell Wilson, who that year was being discussed as MVP potentially, right? The numbers for him and Russell Wilson over a 10-week span were nearly identical. And then last year, same kind of thing. Rough start, incredible middle of the season. So I think with Justin Jefferson, with Thielen, with Irv Smith, there's still enough, especially when you add in Dalvin Cook. And then when you're looking at Herbert, that's the stay away from me. That's the one that terrifies me because Herbert outperformed all my expectations like a lot of us last year. And then you look at the new OC in Lombardi. I'm not the biggest fan of him as a play caller. I'm not sure how it's going to affect the offense. I'm not sure what they're going to do or what it's going to look like. And whenever you get a change in OC, change in head coach, a change in maybe philosophy, I think that you should always take a step back and ask yourself, is this something I want to invest in? And when you had some concerns like I did about Herbert in the first place, and then he blows away all those expectations – I think you have to kind of take a step back, take a breath, and look at it again. So for me, the Herbert number is right around the pace of last year. 
maybe there's another development. Maybe there's some regression, but there's too many maybes for me, and there's too many what ifs. So for me, that's a big stay away because he's more volatile, whereas I have way more of a track record with Kirk Cousins, and I feel more confident in the over there with him. Joe, you do have your fantasy black book series that comes out every year for fantasy sports and mm-hmm. fantasy football. What can We have about a minute left. What can people expect, and where can they get it? Well, they can get it over on Amazon, obviously. You can get the paperback, which I just updated again, so it's not like those books that just sit on the shelf and collect dust and you don't update. Just got updated for Thomas for Acres and all those guys. And, of course, relative position value. And what that is is it's not just rankings. It's not tiers. It's quantified rankings. It's quantified tiers. How much better is a player than somebody else at that position at RB1, at RB2? That's a strategy, and it's a, it's a book that covers everything from – dynasty to idp and everything in between even high stakes nffc leagues and wagering too and uh it's trying to be that one book to rule them all and that's what we try to do a black book and it's got a great group of people writing over on amazon so you can check it out there and put your order in and and again support the brand that's what you want to do like we support sports grid here i highly recommend it it helped with my fantasy draft a ton last year joe pizza thanks for joining us SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We're going to Major League Baseball's card for today, which means we're going to props. Let's get to K props. <laughs> to be honest, I only have one today. And it's for the Cincinnati Reds pitcher, Tyler Malley, who's going up against the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs have the highest strikeout rate in baseball, striking out about 26.5% of the time. They also have the highest strikeout rate against right-handed pitchers, striking out just under 27% of the time. When playing at home, fourth highest strikeout rate, striking out about 25% of the time. I'm going to target the Chicago Cubs because they strike out a lot. Tyler Malley also has a lot of strikeouts against teams who have a top 10K rate against right-handed pitchers. He's had 8, 6, 7, 7, 12, 8, 7. I mean, this pitcher has had at least 7 strikeouts in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 out of his 8 games, or 6 out of 9 games, excuse me, when pitching against teams with a top 10K rate against righties. At least 7. I hope. We don't have it out yet, I looked. But I hope. We get a Tyler Malley over 6.5. I would love it. You give me a 7.5 with plus money to the over. Maybe. But six and a half would be the number I would try to target in the strikeout prop market for Tyler Malley today. I absolutely love it. Ben, anything for you? Tyler Malley is my boy. I love this guy. I love his strikeout props. I love everything about what he does when it comes to the strikeout prop market. It was the exact first one I had on my list to target as well for all the reasons you highlighted about the Cubs. Although their strikeout rate versus right-handed pitching has come down a little bit in the 12 days since the All-Star break, only 24.1% as opposed to the highest all year long at 26.5%. 
But still, I'm not scared by that. In the last two months, like you mentioned, Tyler Malley has faced seven teams, or not seven teams, three teams, but seven times he has faced a team that is ranked in the top 10 in strikeout rate this year. Three times against the Milwaukee Brewers. Six Ks, eight Ks, 12 strikeouts. Against the Cubs, who he faces tonight twice, seven strikeouts and eight strikeouts. And the Atlanta Braves once seven strikeouts so I'm hoping like you for a six and a half I would probably even be tempted by a seven and a half and I'll take that number because Tyler Malley is my boy he has been it all year long I absolutely love his strikeout prop numbers I'll probably target that tonight but Ariel it is that time of the day where pretty much every day I'm scrolling the FanDuel Sportsbook I'll do my work for the handicapping of the strikeout props earlier in the day before anything is posted and then you'll go, you'll look for a number, you're hoping for a good number, you're hoping for a good price where the juice is not too much to scare you away. And what do the sharp folks at the FanDuel Sportsbook do? They give you a number or a price that leaves you going like this and shaking your head and just feeling absolute despair. And that's how I feel about another team that has Chicago to do with it. In the Chicago White Sox on the road in Kansas City today against the Royals at Kauffman Stadium. Normally on Wednesdays in that 10.40 a.m. Eastern spot that Carrington Harrison did such a great job in earlier in the show. We have mid-major, mid-inning Matt, who will talk all about strikeout props and often the unders of strikeout props. And often the unders of strikeout props that might be at the top of the market. And that's where I look today, based on a strikeout prop trend that mid-inning Matt himself has given us and updated throughout the season. 51 opposing starting pitchers have pitched so far this year in Kansas City at Kauffman Stadium. 35 of those 51 opposing starting pitchers have had five strikeouts or less in their starts against the Royals because Kansas City has the third lowest strikeout rate in all of Major League Baseball this year against right-handed pitching at home at just 20.7%. So I was going to target taking the under of Chicago's starting pitcher today, Lucas Giolito, against those Royals because I suspected that Lucas Giolito would have a pretty high number. In fact, in three of his last five starts, Lucas Giolito has had five strikeouts, three strikeouts, and only one strikeout. So he hasn't been totally prolific when it has come to those strikeout numbers. However, that being said, Ariel, what left me going like this? Staring down, thinking that hope had been lost because of the FanDuel Sportsbook? Lucas Giolito's strikeout prop was at six and a half. Don't mind the number. The under, minus 158. Darn it. Can't take it. Have to stay away. You hate when that happens, Ariel Epstein. And it happened once again. Too much juice. So annoying. Also, you can try a same-game parlay option if it allows it down the stretch of the day. You could try to parlay it with some kind of win or maybe, maybe money line. Um, they have the, alter- the alternate prop markets as well, so maybe you could find value there. I do like to fade my teams a lot, and that's where I'm going here. I'm fading the Yankees, but not on the money line. I'm going to fade the Yankees and the total runs that they score. The Yankees have to face Michael Walker today, who is the pitcher for Tampa Bay. Tampa's favored in the game at home. Uh, I don't like the Yankees when it comes to scoring a lot of runs because Waka actually, for opposing teams, team totals when Waka starts at home, Aside for his first start at home this year where there was eight runs scored, he hasn't allowed more than four runs to any team that he's faced. And I don't mean Waka alone. I mean the team totals 
when Waka starts the game, has not gone over four runs. Tampa Bay has one of the better bullpens in the league. Waka has been great, hasn't lost a home start since the Yankees back on April 11th. Seven straight home wins for Michael Waka. And I'm going to say that the Yankees stay under that team total of four, which is at minus 105 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Ben, what else are you looking at today? So they have finally posted it. If I can find the number here. Yes. Uh, see, I was going to look for something maybe with Robbie Ray on the bump for the first game of a doubleheader against the Red Sox and Garrett Richards today because Garrett Richards has been a guy that has struggled since the sticky stuff crackdown came across MLB. He is even mentioned as such, but the Red Sox, who have the best record in the American League, the top record in the AL East, are a plus 126 home underdog in that first game against Robbie Ray and the Toronto Blue Jays. I was maybe going to see if there was a better number there, but there's really not, so now I'm off of that once again. Where I am looking, though, and I want to pull up this number, because since the All-Star break, the Colorado Rockies have actually been pretty good. They've been competitive even on the road, and right now they are taking a very heavy plus money number to Anaheim tonight against the Angels, where they have split the first two games of this series on the road. Now, the Rockies have the worst road record in all of Major League Baseball. But when you look at what Colorado did last night against the Angels, posting 12 runs, they're going up against Andrew Heaney and the Angels today. They're plus 176 on the money line. Now, I haven't dove into the handicapping here to necessarily know why Chichi Gonzalez might be a good number to play today against Andrew Heaney of the LA Angels. When you look at Heaney this year, 6-7, a 5-3-2 ERA. Chichi Gonzalez is 3-6 with a 6 six era not great there but maybe you find an area at plus 176 or maybe the total of nine and a half for the game overall could be an area to play this game between the rockies and the angels today ariel it's going to be my best bet of the day but i'll just reveal it now i will be in attendance for my first major league baseball game in over two and a half years tonight at city field between the mets and the braves I cannot wait. It is going to be a gorgeous night up in Queens. I am so ecstatic for this game between the Mets and the Braves. It's Max Fried going for Atlanta against Tyler McGill going for the New York Mets. Right now, the Mets the home favorite at minus 134. I wanted to play it maybe from a total perspective because as we know, the Mets have the highest under percentage at home this year at nearly 69%. The Braves have the third highest over percentage at home, but the fourth highest under percentage on the road at nearly 58.4 percent so i was thinking i would look to the under between max freed and tyler mcgill today but the under is small for the game the total is small for the game at seven and a half and max freed on the road has been very very bad this year his home road splits have really really varied he has allowed only three earned runs in his two starts against the mets this year but both of those coming in atlanta on the road max freed is two and three with a 655 ERA. So I might be looking to take the Mets just straight up on the money line at minus 134. That might be my play. It is very much a heart leading the way and trying to find the handicapping to back it up, which is not the smartest or sharpest way to do your handicapping by any means, and I do not recommend it. But I'll be in attendance at City Field tonight. Tickets were $5 thanks to Pete Alonzo winning the Home Run Derby in an 80% discount. So I will be there. I'll probably have a couple of Bud Lights in my system, and I'll be trying to cheer on the home team, the New York. Mets wearing a Mets shirt from my roommate who has allowed me to borrow one tonight. So I'm probably back in the Mets tonight today, Ariel, against the money or on the money line, I should say, against the Atlanta Braves.
I can't knock you for that because when I went to the Red Sox game, which was my first game back in a baseball stadium for the last two years, I ended up taking the Red Sox team total over. We took the Red Sox minus one and a half, took the Red Sox on the money line. It was a Red Sox sweep, and they covered it all. So I do hope that the Mets get you your win today. I was trying to target the same thing you are. If you're not targeting Mets unders when they're playing at home already, you're crazy. The problem is Max Freed. I was looking to the Braves team total under. I was hoping to get a four. Four is at least where you would probably push. I was hoping we were a push or a win, obviously, yet three and a half, it's too low. That's where the Braves number is. Four is what the Braves usually score. Whenever the Braves have put up 10 or more runs, which they did last night with 12, the last two times the Braves ended up with four runs the next day. The last time the Braves did this against the Mets, they put up 20 on the Mets back on June 30th. Braves scored four. Last time that the Braves scored 10 or more was against the Phillies. They scored 15 on July 24th. Next day, scored four. I was hoping four or less because McGill's been amazing. He's only allowed one run in a game this month. Any of those games he's thrown this month, one run or less. Great month for McGill, and that's why I would be targeting it, but it's still just a little too low for me at three and a half. McGill also, he allowed nine runs uh, for the team totals where McGill started. He's allowed nine runs once, but otherwise hasn't allowed more than three total in a game if McGill's gotten the start. Coming up next, Cam Rogers is going to talk some Olympic golf. It's Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. Fun fact. Even- SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Our final guest of the day, who always joins us on these Wednesdays, it's Cam Rogers. We're going to break down Olympic golf. Cam, round one already underway. What did you like that you saw out of those golfers? Hey, what's going on, Ariel? Actually, the golf begins tonight, 6.30 Eastern oh, I messed time. It up. A little primetime golf. All good, all good. That means... We can fully. I was get watching yesterday too. I thought it was legit. That's my bad. I turned through the channels <laughs> and I saw some golf in action. I guess the golf channel just had them warming up. That's my bad. Yeah, they do the live from the Olympics and all that sort of coverage. So no worries whatsoever. Which means obviously we can talk about preparation for tonight. But also, it's a good point, Ariel. People should get their picks in soon. There's no typical wake up on a Thursday morning and get those picks out if you're waiting that long. Typically, you can't today. Get them in by 6 o'clock tonight, Eastern time. So here's the deal, guys. It's a little bit unique in that we have a shorter field, field of 60 golfers. It's a no-cut event. No Bryson DeChambeau, no John Rahm due to COVID. So we had a couple of new additions into the pool, including Patrick Reed on the American side of things. Kasumi Gaseki Country Club, the East Course, 7,400 yards, par 71. Bent grass greens. This is a Tom... Fazio renovated golf course so Sherwood golf club is one comparable course Augusta National it kind of rings a little bit about the Masters when you look at the flyover of this golf course Quail Hollow is another good Mm. comparison as well but again I want to harp on no cut events so you can get aggressive a little bit with your top 20s and your top 10s this week 
So, Cam, it is a very top-heavy field. Some of the best in the world competing for a gold medal, all wanting to win gold in Tokyo. The favorite right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook is the reigning Open champion, the champion golfer of the year in Colin Morikawa at plus 700. Is that where your focus is in the future outright this week, the favorites on the FanDuel Sportsbook? Yeah, when I see 7-1 to one in golf, guys, you know I run a little scared because it's like, oh, my God, a field of 156 players, a cut, all that jazz. I don't want any part of that. Obviously, that's not the case this week, right? Smaller field, very top-heavy, as you mentioned, Ben. So if you're going to go with the favorites in golf, this is the week to do it because the cream will rise to the top in this event. Now, the only reason why I'm not on Colin Morikawa is just pure variability, right? Recently won the Open Championship. You have to wonder about his motivation this week. And trust me, I'm going down narrative street right now because the stats, the recent form, just his pure consistency on the PGA Tour all point to Morikawa getting the gold. But I'm looking elsewhere, but certainly at the favorites, Ben. Let's talk about Paul Casey, 14-2-1 on FanDuel Sportsbook 2 capture the olympics here seventh and birdie are better gained over the last 50 rounds we want birdie makers in these no cut events right fifth and bogey avoidance as well so that's a good pairing there second best iron player in this field within the last 24 rounds top 10 in par 4 scoring as well and who won the gold back in 2016 fellow englishman justin rose so i like paul casey as an outright couple of other outrights out there Cameron Smith at 18 to 1, known as a big game hunter on the PGA Tour. Really good bent grass putter, third in this field, seventh in his approaches, and fourth in birdies are better gained within the last 24 rounds, which is key to me because typically his irons are the weaker part of his game. So I like that play, 18 to 1. And then Justin Thomas, 10 to 1. Look, he is Mr. No Cut Event. All right. Nine of his 14 wins are without a cut. First in strokes gained total, actually, in no-cut events within the last 50 rounds. So certainly staying up top that board there, Ben, because honestly, you guys can cut off from maybe 40 to 1 and up and longer in terms of just no shot to win because we have guys in like the 300s in the world playing in this event. So really, you want to narrow down your player pool this week. When it comes to top fives, top tens, it's always something intriguing to bet on when it's a normal PGA week. How much do you look to those this week? Yeah, I'm going there a little bit, but not too much. Not, you know, typically like you would at a PGA Tour event, guys, because obviously you don't have that monetary incentive, if you will, playing a little more aggressively to get inside that top 10 for a better paycheck or what have you. You have to wonder if some guys are out of it on Sunday or I guess would it be Saturday night, how motivated they would be to like continue to move up that leaderboard if they know they're not going to get a medal whatsoever. So I'm going there a little bit. I have a couple of plays for you guys. I'm going to go back to Cam Smith, plus 170 for a top 10 finish with the reasons that I described earlier. Big game hunter, plays well in majors and WGC events. I would consider this a big game event, if you will. And then Corey Connors, plus 180 for a top 10. One of the best T2 green players in this field really showed out nicely Two guys at the major championships. He was DT15 most recently at the Open Championship. So I like him as a top 10 play. And then let's have some fun with some top 20s here. I think Ryan Fox for a top 20 makes some sense. Three top 14 finishes in his last six events on the European Tour. So you have a lot of European Tour guys playing this week. Sixth in driving distance. 
fourth in strokes gained tee to green on the Euro Tour. So I like that. Placed 16th at the Open Championship back in 2019. So he can show out at the big events. And how about this guy? Antoine Rosner, two-time winner on the Euro Tour in his last 16 starts. Sometimes we see when you win on the professional ranks, it does not matter if it's the Euro Tour. It does not matter if it's the Corn Ferry Tour. That can sometimes translate, in fact, oftentimes translate to success on the PGA Tour and WGCs and, of course, the Olympics. So Rosner is a winner, recently gained over seven strokes with his irons at the PGA Championship. Didn't play too well in terms of finishing position, but I think Rosner could make some noise here, finish inside the top 20 this week. Ryan Fox, Antoine Rosner, guys I have never heard of, Cam, but that's what we have at the Olympics right now. So normally on a normal week, you have the future outright market who's going to win the event. You have your top fives, your top tens, your finishing positions. Let's add one more in there because it's the Olympics to medal because everybody is playing for gold, silver, and bronze. So Cam, how would you approach to win a medal that market on the FanDuel Sportsbook? Yeah, let's start with Justin Thomas, guys, plus 300. He's been sort of stuck in neutral since winning the Players' Championship back in March, but we know he can pop at any point. We're talking about one of the elite golfers on the planet. We have learned before, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, for instance, how they can just show up to an event with no form whatsoever and finish inside the top five or win. I have Justin Thomas getting a bronze this week. I really like his game in terms of how it sets up at a no-cut event. Actually plays well in Asia in general as well. Three no-cut wins in Asia to his credit. So Justin Thomas for a medal, I like a lot. Who's finishing for the silver? You guys already know I have Paul Casey getting the gold. Xander Shoffley, another guy who typically Ooh. plays well in these shorter field events, right guys? One of the best birdie or better makers within the last 24 rounds. In fact, he's inside the top five as we stand. And three of his four wins are in shorter field events. So in these events where the cream rises to the top, right? Xander Shoffley is part of that cream, if you will. And so I think he's going to play very well this week. Scores very well on par fives. And I think that will pan out. Certainly effectively here at Kasumi Gaseki Country Club. So give me a little Xander Shoffley for a medal as well. And then obviously Paul Casey, I have him getting the goal. Cam Rogers, our PGA analyst, joining us to talk some Olympic golf. Cam, if we do, and I think we will, have those live golf odds throughout the weekend, how would you approach a no-cut event differently than you would approach a cut event? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I love live betting in terms of the outright. I've been dabbling with it myself recently. And so I wouldn't think the approach changes too much, guys, but I would certainly key in on a pool of like three golfers and don't go outside the top 25 in the world or anything like that. If you have a random name, no disrespect to Antoine Rosner popping up at the top of that leaderboard on Friday night. I probably wouldn't place any outright bet on him just because I don't think he has a realistic shot to capturing the gold here at the Olympics. But if we have the likes of Paul Casey and Justin Thomas and Xander Shoffley at the top of that board, you know they're not going anywhere, right? So you might as well split up your units, throw some cash down on these guys to medal or to win the gold and you should be smooth sailing. So I think overall, from a macro perspective, the logic doesn't change too, too much, but certainly put more of an emphasis on the favorites this week as compared to regular PGA Tour events. You can have some fun with the outright live bets, 
when you have a John Deere classic, right, guys, when a rando could pull off a victory. Not so much at the Olympics this week. So, Cam, about 24 hours ago, the FanDuel Sportsbook only had up the future outright, the winner who would claim gold in Tokyo. Now, as we are getting ready for the first round of tee-off tonight, there's not only the top five, top ten positions that we talked about to medal, but also group betting. Do you have any group bets for Olympic golf? Yeah, we haven't talked about group betting too much, guys, and I'm glad that we're bringing it up now. I'm going to look at Group B here. All right, we have the legs of Victor Hovland, Hideki Matsuyama, Paul Casey, and Patrick Reed. Cancel out Patrick Reed, all right? He's a last-minute addition. Oh. I think he's just flying in today. Literally, guys, I don't think he's going to see the course by the time he tees off for real competition. So he's out in my eyes. Then it gets really tough, right? We're talking about Victor Hovland, who is an elite T2 green player. His game travels very well. Hideki Matsuyama is the fun story, the good narrative, right? Recently won the Masters, playing in his own country. Actually won the Japan Amateur at this very golf course some 11 years ago. So he's the course history buff. And then you have Paul Casey, who I'm picking to win the gold, right? So maybe I stay off Paul Casey. Here's my logic here, right? So if I have Paul going for the gold, right? I'm not going to double down on Paul. I'll go elsewhere for a chance to win in this group. So I'm going to take Hideki Matsuyama plus 220 in this group. A, it's a feel-good story. I'm about it. And then B, like it's not like he's playing bad golf. He's actually very consistent. And obviously, he knows how to play golf in Japan, right? So Hideki Matsuyama for group B. I will take that. Let's look at group D now. Corey Connors, Tommy Fleetwood, Sunjay M, Garrick Higo. Higo, I'm out on. I'm not about it. Sunjay M is an interesting story, guys, because, of course, he's South Korean. If he medals in the Olympics, he will not have to do his required two years of military service in South Korea. So major motivation for Sunjay M in this group. Tommy Fleetwood has been playing bad golf lately. Love Corey Connors a lot, but I'm willing to throw a dart plus 230 on Sunjay M to medal, win this group, of course, but also to medal and perhaps get out of military service in South Korea. So big time stakes for Mr. Sunjay. I like him in Group D. I love that you know these storylines, Cam. It's as if you live with all these golfers and you get to hear all the inside scoop. You always come on with something I never see coming, and that is just really good insight right there. Uh, Cam, only about a minute left. When it comes to betting on these golfers after the Olympics, how much of a fade are they? Yeah, I think it's certainly something to kind of think about, guys, right? Because we're talking about a lot of travel coming back to Memphis this week for a lot of these players playing in the WGC FedEx St. Jude, which is another low, no-cut event, low field, right? So, you know, I think it's worth monitoring in terms of fatigue because here's the other thing, guys. This is not a typical Olympics. This is an Olympics and a pandemic, sadly. And so you have to go through the protocols and that can put a lot of mental stress on you. Just ask Simone Biles, who has obviously been dealing with mental health issues and she should be taking the time that she needs. Maybe some of these golfers will need it too, coming off the Olympics. So certainly keep an eye on that and how they play uh, because there's a lot to go through out there. We have in to Tokyo get to right break, now. Cam. Make sure to catch Cam Rogers all over social media. Great job as always. We'll see you next week. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Final segment on the morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. It's time for our best bets of the day. Let's get to two bet to us part. You have to surround yourself with people that are better than you or around the same as you that you can rely on. And for me, I have this group chat that I've been talking about all week because they are some of the smartest betters that I know. You should go check out Adam Trigger on Top Flight Sports. He actually has some really good information out there. And for me, I've been really cold this week. Last week was a hot week for me, and I've decided that I'm fading myself until further notice. That said, Adam gave out this good pick on Top Flight, and he says that he really likes the Diamondbacks today. Of course, I asked for people's reasoning before I go and bet it. I like the Diamondbacks, too, after I heard his reasoning. The Texas Rangers are tied for the least back-to-back wins in baseball this year with just 13 wins following a win. Last night, even though the Rangers did get the win over the Diamondbacks, the Rangers scored all the runs they needed, their five runs in one inning. Yesterday, uh, with the win, I'm going to say that was a fluky moment because that's coming off a, what, seven, eight-game losing streak for the Rangers. Now you get Madison Baumgartner on the mound for the Diamondbacks, who's a left-handed pitcher. The Rangers have the second worst OPS against lefties this year and the worst OPS against lefties in the last 30 days. It's also been the best month for Bumgarner this year. Uh, in July, he has an ERA that's below a two. So I'm going to say Bumgarner and the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks money line, baby. What do you got, Ben? Ariel, it's very simple for me. For the first time in nearly two and a half years, I will be in attendance live watching a Major League Baseball game. I will be at City Field tonight for the Mets and the Braves. The Mets are the home favorite at minus 134. They're going with Tyler McGill. In his first two career starts, he faced Atlanta. He gave up five earned runs in nine and a third innings pitch. But in his last four starts, he has given up only two combined earned runs. His last two starts, shutouts, Mets. Minus 134. Tonight on the money line, I'll be in attendance at City Field. We'll crack our Bud Lights and cheers to a Mets victory. If they lose, it's on you. So Mets fans, you better hope that they <laughs> win tonight with Ben Stevens in attendance. Thanks for joining us here on The Morning After. We'll see you tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Lost in a sea of stats, averages, and injury reports? It's okay. You found it. Sports gaming strategies and